listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Hour number two of Miller and Moulton on this final day of February. It is a Tuesday, and that means it's time for David Sampson. He of the daily podcast, it's simply called Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He does it live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. CBS Sports HQ, cbssports.com. He tapes it as live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Follow David on Twitter, David, the letter P, Sampson, David P. Sampson. How are you this week? I am great. I can't believe it's the last day of February already. I'm two days past my birthday, which you guys missed. You're the only two people who I work with who missed it. It was a little disappointing. Happy belated birthday, David. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize you were one of those guys. Now I got to get this in my phone. I got to put a notification up, make sure that I'm sending text out on February 26, 2024. Okay. Man, I didn't know you needed that much love. So I hate my birthday. I, see, that's another thing. We would have figured bringing it up would bother you. So here's the thing. I don't understand why celebrating the passage of time makes sense. I've never understood it, and I didn't understand it as a kid either. And maybe it was because my mother didn't give me any of the fancy parties that I went to with my kids, uh, with, with my friends. But I just always viewed it as strange. I always viewed life like an hourglass. And I don't know why we would take the time to celebrate more sands going to the other side. Wow. It's, all I could think of was the days of our lives there once he went hourglass. <laughs> Unbelievable. It all goes back to not having a good experience on his ninth birthday. You see how, There's you know, no question. the effects of childhood can uh, rear its ugly head later on in life. There is not enough hours of therapy to deal <laughs> with the no RSVPs from the prettiest girls in your second grade class. Uh, Sharon McCann did a number on me in fourth grade too, David. Okay. We can talk about it some other time. Okay. Mark, Mark, all excited. Watched four innings of spring training baseball yesterday. He's in, he's in. Where are you? God, I love you, Mark. I love all the people who are watching all the rule changes and the short game times that are being, uh, sort of publicized everywhere and saying, this is it. Baseball's fixed. We're in, baby. I'm back, baby. It's absolutely ridiculous to judge anything based on the first three spring training games, whether you win, whether you lose, whether they're violations or not. MLB has made a concerted effort to try to increase action in baseball. To do it, they are making rules where batters and pitchers have to be ready sooner, and they told the players, we're going to enforce it like crazy early on, so you better get ready. But I can promise you this. Not one game this season will end on a pitch clock or a batter's clock violation. Not one game. Good. And I and I don't care about that. Hey, look, it. I watched yesterday. I was in the car listening to a little MLB radio, and the spring training game came on. And, and so I put it on when I came home. And I wanted, to, I wanted to see with my own eyes if the clock made a difference. First glance, that's all it is. The game has better pace. There's, It was inarguable to me. I watched four innings. The game moves along. The announcers noticed it. They don't have as much time for dribble. They had to actually, you know, talk about the game, God forbid. So I was impressed with how both sides did it. What I'm worried about, 
because I'm a hockey guy at heart, and that's where I cut my teeth in this business, is this is hockey for years would say, all right, we're going to enforce this the first 10 games, first 15 games of the season, and then it goes away. That would be my fear, but since the commissioner is so big on this, I don't think that will happen. I do agree with you, David. I don't think we're going to see a called third strike because of a violation all that often. I think that's a spring training way to get this moving along, but I thought it was undeniable that there's more pace. Here's the good news. In, in this instance, the players, both pitchers and player, position players, and the commissioner's office all like the same thing. And that doesn't happen too often. So the players have bought into this. And you saw the PR yesterday, which was fascinating. Max Scherzer came out and said that he thought there was an advantage to the pitchers. Then Aaron Judge came out and said he thought there was an advantage to the hitters. And that's like mana from heaven if you're the commissioner because then you've got both sides of the union giving protection to Tony Clark to get the players to all be okay with enforcing this. You've got the owners who want this enforced and you've got the umpires who are told enforce. So it's all happening. But I'll tell you what they're not telling you. I'd like you to guess the number of pitchers who violated last year the 2015, 20 seconds with the runner on base, 15 seconds with runner not on base. If the clock had been in existence last year, how many pitchers on average violated those numbers? What would be your guess? 20% of the pitchers, 50% of the pitchers, 80% of the pitchers, or 5% of the pitchers? I went the wrong order, but what's your guess? I would guess it's closer to 20%. That's where I was going to go. It's below 5%. I thought when this clock started, I wanted it way lower. I wanted it 15 and 10 because I wanted the pitchers to actually change their pace. But see, here's why I would dispute those findings is the pitchers weighted to the batter got in the box. Okay. And the batters were taking 20 plus seconds just in and of themselves. If you think about it, the pitchers don't have 15 and 20 seconds. In theory, David, they have eight to 10. It, why are you saying that? Because they have to wait for the batter. Okay, the clock starts when the pitcher gets the ball back from the catcher. If the batter takes five to seven seconds to get in the box and finally look, then, okay, now the clock's at 12. Okay, well, so the pitcher now is 12 seconds. He doesn't have 20. That's with a runner on base. If it comes with nobody on base, the pitcher's got eight seconds. Right, so that's done to stop the no more Garcia Paras. That's done totally to, right to get pitchers to get right. batters to stop with the pounding of the bat and, the, and well, yes, it's, it's Steve Traxel on the mound and no more Garcia Parra at the plate. I mean, then you're talking about a minute between pitches, right? Mike Hargrove, the human rain delay, right? Right. I I I understand and I, and I agree. I just don't want to draw any conclusions that this will all of a sudden mean two hour and twenty minute games. I think that if you had someone from the commissioner's office on your show and you gave them truth serum, they would tell you that last year the average game time was 3.06. If this year they can get it down to 2.45 to 2.50, they would jump in the aisles. They'd be so happy. It's not going to be 2.30 or 2.25. It's just not. I'm more interested watching the base hits that are happening because there's no shift. I'm interested to see about whether slap hitters are going to start being okay with slapping. And I talked to you on a recent show about this, which is we haven't changed how we're paying players. We're paying players for home runs and runs batted in. We talk about all advanced statistics, but in arbitration, home runs, runs batted in. 
Will that change the behavior of players when they're not going to be paid to hit the singles, doubles, and triples, which is really what baseball wants to have increased action? Until that happens, I'm not sure we're going to see a complete change. Just going to throw this in. The guy who won the National League batting title signed a five-year, $52 million contract in the offseason. Imagine what the guy who won the home run title. He signed nine years, 360. The American League batting champion got traded. I think that we don't need to say anything other than that. And he, by the way, the American League batting champion who has no position to play and is on a team now with 19 second basemen. Yes, they, right. And none of them who can play second. It's, fa it's, it's fascinating. And they don't have anybody who can play third either. But they'll hit the ball better. They will. You know, I don't know if you're going here next, but I'll tell you, spring training for me was a time that in the beginning of my career I really loved. And the last 10 years of my career I hated, and here's why. All I did was watch every game waiting for someone to get hurt. And I had no joy because it's not like I was in Montreal where I was freezing and needed to come to, to Florida to get warm. I lived in Miami already, so spring training sometimes was colder for me than warmer. But what happened yesterday with Gavin Lux and his injury, that's major. And, it, you know, they lose their starting shortstop. They haven't announced it yet. It could be an ACL. It could be the season. They've got depth with Miguel Rojas. But when you're watching a game as a president or a GM and you see something like that, you just can't believe that's how your year is starting. Well, it, and I, and not only injuries, but it's not like there are position jobs available. I mean, how many jobs are available right now on the average major league team going into spring training? One, two? Yeah, so we always would say there's we go to the clubhouse and have the first meeting when the pitchers and catchers and position players would report. And we would say, listen, we want this to be a competitive spring training. We want to get into the winning mentality right now because people are counting us out, but we can do this. They'd look around the room and they'd say, you're full of it. Like, why are you giving us this speech? We know who's got the positions. We know who's got the in the rotation absent injury. So the truth is, maybe at the fringes for the 26th guy out of spring training, but that, just because you made the team opening day, they're part of the shuffle back and forth to minor league anyway, based on options and based on guaranteed salary. So it's not as competitive as you think. By the way, when we add two teams and go to 32, are you in favor of realignment? 1,000%. Is the league in favor of it, though? Through that. Yeah, I'm sorry, we, say that again? I was part of a committee that went through it and actually came up with new divisions and how it would look, eight divisions of four. We talked about getting rid of American League nationally, what that would look like. We talked about doing just two conferences of 16 and ranking them and doing playoffs like that, one through eight, one through eight on either side. So we talked about a whole lot of things, and it's going to happen. There's no question in my mind that MLB is going to 32, and there is no question that there's going to be realignment. Will you get rid of the, will they get rid of the leagues do you think? I don't think they're going to go that far. But there were some good proposals to get rid of the leagues because do you remember back in the day when umpires would either have an AL yes. or an NL on their hat and well, then the one got, league had the outside uh, protector and the other league had the inside protector so therefore yes. the one league gave the high strike and the other league gave the low strike depending on basically how bet how much the umpires could squat and how because it's hard to squat when you've got when you're holding up that thing under your right. chin you have no ability right jose altuve would have a 1000 on base percentage <laughs> right in a league like that totally a thousand and he wouldn't have to hit the ball and uh so yes i don't think we'll get rid of the leagues because there's something about having an american league pennant winner and a national league pennant winner but i think you will see major major geographical realignment changes
All right, got about a minute left. You said there was a bunch of stuff you wanted to cover. Give us one thing we didn't cover besides the fact that you're, you know, you're traumatized from your nine-year-old birthday party. And 10 and 11 and 12 and bar mitzvah and 14 and 15. Come on. The trauma isn't just one year. So I want to point out that in Tampa, about a week ago, you guys had a player named Ryan Thompson who went through arbitration. And on Twitter, and it's maybe at Ryan Thompson, I don't remember his handle, he went through an entire treatise, thanks to Elon and the ability to write 10,000 characters, he went through an entire treatise about his arbitration process. And this year, we saw more than ever players talking about that. Corbin Burns, the great pitcher for the Brewers, said he was hurt and upset about the arbitration process. And to me, I can only tell you, if they want to get rid of it, we'd love to get rid of it, but the players love it. It's funny, it's benefited the players financially, Mark, but the owners win two out of every three cases on average. So it's funny. David, as always, we enjoy your time and your insight. Have a great rest of your day. I appreciate that. You take care of yourselves and happy birthday to me. (laughs) (laughs) David Sampson, nothing personal. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. You miss any part of the show, you download our podcast at floridasportsnetwork.com, like our last segment there with David Sampson. Jeff Cameron to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Felipe with the Clutch Vodka Play of the Day coming up in a matter of minutes. Text line is open at 21,000. If you've never texted the show before, FSN radio is the keyword. Once you've done that, you're in. There are many people that are on your side, David, with the not shaking hands of the manager who called the umpire terrible. (laughs) You said more than that. (laughs) Just saying. I mean, when are you allowed to hold a grudge? I mean, come on. I mean, if a guy crosses the line, I think you're allowed to hold a grudge. That's all. And I agree you can hold the grudge. If he walked up to you in his office after, you know, went to the umpire's room after or whatever and went to shake your hand, you looked at him and said, get away from me. It's one thing. At home plate in the setting, just shake the man's hand, be done with it. You don't have to be nice. Well, shaking the hands, being nice. No, I'm not shaking your hand. You said I suck. You said I shouldn't have a job. That's how badly I suck. You said it publicly, by the way. All right, so publicly, I'm not going to shake your hand. So, true story. I'm broadcasting minor league hockey. Okay. And I I wish I could remember the ref's name that I said this about. But there was a series of what I thought were bad calls. Okay. And I'll just use your name. And as I'm calling the game, and I said, and there's David Moulton again, who is arguably, in fact, not arguably, he is the worst ref in this league and has no business refing in this league whatsoever. <laughs> Fast forward to next season. Uh-huh. We always made sure, I always tried to take care of the officials, the media, I always made sure that they were treated a little better in our building than they were most every other place. We always had a six-pack of beer delivered to the officials' room after the game. So they'd have a couple of pops. they do their job. 
Well, it turned out, I'm, and, and I'd usually walk down after the game because I ran the off-ice officials, and I knew most of the referees, and I'd say hi if I knew one or whatever the case may be because that was the way I exited the building. And the referee happened to have a case of Molson Canadian that he had brought from the other side of the border, just a little bit better beer than we have in this country. Right. And I went, ooh, are those from Canada? And he's like, yeah, they are. You mind? And he says, if you admit that you called me the worst referee in this league. And I'm like, that was you, wasn't it? (laughs) Did you say, I did, but you've gotten better? I said, that was probably out of line. And he laughed, and I laughed. So, I mean, he, you know, he was a better man than most would have been about that. Right. So, I mean, if he can take it, this umpire can take it. Listen, I, understand, I know what the classy thing to do is. I know what I'm supposed to do, Mark. I do. Most of us know right from wrong when we're making the decision to go do wrong. We do. I know I'm supposed to be the bigger man. I'm supposed to shake his hand. And I could shake his hand and look directly at him and tell him what I think of him. But it makes it look like I'm a good guy. And I could do it with a smile on my face. I know I could do that. I just, no. You publicly said I suck. You said I should not have a job in the majors. You said it publicly. After the game. Well, okay. Kiss my blank. How about that? Shake your hand. Please. There's a part of me. I'd almost rather treat you like that Rangers defenseman. I'd almost rather spit in it. By the way, how come he hasn't been suspended yet? You spit on another player? How long does this take? What? There's video. I, not I mean, only that, there's video, close-up video of it. This is not that easy to figure to, to have to work on. I mean, come on, it's a Zoom call if you need to have the meeting. Besides, he's in New York. I mean, you've got offices in New York. That's usually where people fly to to have these disciplinary hearings. I mean, seriously, how come he hasn't been suspended yet? You can't spit on another player. I mean, unless you're C.J. Buckner, you could spit on the Cardinals manager instead. Digress. I can't teach my granddaughter that, right? That's the stuff I have to keep to myself. I have this feeling you will still teach the granddaughter to do some things that when she gets caught for it, everybody will go either dad or David. One of those Mm -hmm. two things. It's funny. Uh, I was in the back seat. We went to the zoo on Sunday. Parents were in the front seat. I was in the back. All right. And I said to her, I go, listen. All right, you're going to get older and you're going to do this. Your parents are going to yell at you. Don't worry. I've got your back. My daughter's like, Dad, come on. I'm like, hey, hey, I had yours. We played good cop, bad cop. All right, I was good cop. Okay, except for those six or seven times when I was cop from hell. All right, that's just so you know. I got your daughter's back. That's all. Guys are going to try to discipline her. Yeah. Send her over to the grandparents' house. Time now for our Clutch Vodka Play of the Day. Felipe, what do you have for us today? Well, first round of the A-Sun Tournament, we had some clutch hoops last night. Seven-seed North Florida versus eight-seed Bellarmine. Six seconds left, tied at 74. Here's the call. 74! Bellarmine quickly the other way! Oh, 
Benson find him. Betts looking for help. Fading away. Oh, oh my goodness. Justin Betts with point four left. Puts Bellerman on top. The full court heave is turned aside. And Justin Betts hits the biggest shot of his life. I love it because you can only hear the players in the call because that's the only people that were in the arena. The other thing you could hear, and this is just me as the broadcaster, I heard the ball go in before he said it was good. You could clearly hear the swish of the net because it was an ESPN. Or they've got the ESPN. It's mic'd up, and they've got all the nice cameras and the microphones under the basket. So that's great. Love it. I hate to see the Florida team go down, but clutch bucket, the A-Sun tournament, Bellerman wins. North Florida goes down, and that's our clutch vodka play of the day. Clutch vodka, that's clutch with a K. So the two teams – who are ineligible to go to the NCAA tournament, both won last night in the play-in games of the ASUN tournament. So now with eight teams remaining in the ASUN tournament, two of them are alive to win the tournament, and neither one of them can represent the conference. Bellarmine, the defending league champions. It's going to happen again. Queens, who beat FGCU, is in their first year transitioning from D2 to D1. One of the dumbest rules in the world is while they get, they make it so that in your first four years, you're ineligible to compete in NCAA tournaments. I, it's, it's absurd. They did it because the D1 schools were worried that so many D2s were going to decide to go D1. And what, win? Exactly. I mean... These schools are jumping from D2 to D1 and going to conferences like the Atlantic Sun, for crying out loud. They're not going to win anything. Usually they don't. Usually you go and you get pounded for a couple years. I mean, we've talked about on the football side, what Appalachian State has done has been remarkable. Yes. They made the jump to high-level Division I football and have gone to a bowl every year and won it every year. We would like the NCAA to change that rule, but once again, because it's all about the kids, remember. It's all about the kids. No, no, the student-athletes. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, <laughs> they still use that term, huh? They do. That's in, in the NIL days, they still use that term, huh? That's cute. That's really nice. Student-athlete. That's funny. Miller and Moulton. Jeff Cameron will join us in 30 minutes' time. We'll go to Tallahassee, find out the latest with the Knowles and their power play against the ACC. What is the end game? Is it getting more money out of the ACC? Is it, well, disbanding the ACC? We'll find out what Jeff Cameron thinks coming up in 30 minutes. Thanking you for listening to Miller and Moulton right here. Where else but the Florida Sports Network? Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Thanks so much for being with us, Jeff Cameron from Tallahassee. Will join us to talk about Florida State and realistically. What's their future the rest of the decade? Is it blowing up the ACC? They think they have a wedge that they can change the financial structure of the ACC where 
you know, they get a little something, something. I mean, Mark, you know, listen, there have been those that have thought for years that if Ohio State and Michigan made this power play in the Big Ten, that the Big Ten would be powerless to stop it. And fortunately for the Big Ten, they've gotten so much money that I don't think, I mean, Ohio State and Michigan have always taken care of the rest of the conference. Yeah, I mean, they've agreed. Ohio State and Michigan easily could have said, hey, come on. I mean, you, you really think Purdue and Indiana deserve the same amount of money as us? I mean, you know, no offense. You know, no offense. I mean, come on now. But they never had taken the approach that Texas had taken because right. that was Texas's approach, and that's why the Big 12 had the problems that they had with Texas because they got paid more money. And we're allowed to do other things. And, you know, by the way, I, even going forward, I mean, can you call their bluff? I mean, you can look at them and go, <laughs> be the red COO, <laughs> where are you going to go? <laughs> but they are Ohio State and Michigan. I mean, I, if they but, ever woke up on the wrong side of the bed, Mark, I mean, damn. No, I understand that. But, you know, not only have – you know, this is the first time we've ever even brought something like this up. It's never been brought up in the Big Ten. I'm sure behind closed doors it's been said, David, but they've never operated that way. And the Big Ten's never operated that way. It's Texas is the only one that did it and got away with it. And what I find fascinating is that Florida State, I get their reasoning, but where you're going to go is really the case with Florida State. Because if you're the A, it's a little bit different with the Big Ten. There was not the grant of rights part of the contract. Mm-hmm. Florida State can kick and scream as much as they want. I don't see why the ACC would do anything to appease them right now. I don't. To give them more money, to give them a bigger slice of the pie? Listen, it's a huge risk legally. but And obviously, we're not attorneys. And we didn't sleep in a Holiday Inn Express last night. But if you have to pay $120 million to get out, then you're out, right? I mean, so that the whole legal – no one's challenged the land of rights deal, which is once you leave the ACC – Oh, yeah, they own all your television revenue going forward into the end of their current contract. So you not only have to pay to leave, you get nothing for leaving. We get all your TV money. I mean, no offense. Once you divorce, you divorce, right? The 120, I paid 100. It's called alimony, David. Not sure if you're aware of it. I understand. Or maybe it's child support. I don't know which one you want to put it in, David, but there are there are things. There are things you pay after the divorce. Trust me. Well, and maybe so. And maybe that's why legally the ACC is in the right. But there's a part of me that also goes, hold on a second. Then it should be one or the other. Either you get all my money for leaving or if I pay you the $120 million, we're good. I mean, this whole, you get both? Because, let's be honest, if Florida State thought, much like the LIV golfers, they think they're going to win. 
against the PGA Tour. They think the independent contractor laws are on their side and they're going to win. Okay, even though the PGA Tour has rules on the books that are anti that. We'll end up in a Supreme Court somewhere about it in the next year or two. If Florida State, Mark, thought they were going to win, they'd pay the $120 million. They'd find it. It wouldn't be easy. It might take two years, but they'd get them out of Dodge. But no one knows if the grant of rights has any legal standing. And obviously they're not being told that it's a dunk if they pay the 120 or like you said, they would have, they would be looking at ways to get out. Remember there's no sport that counts other than football. That's a very painful thing to say, particularly to the ACC, which deep down at its core is a basketball conference. But when it comes to the networks paying the money that they're paying, it's football, football, and football. So with that being said, name me the teams in the ACC that should get the same amount of money as Florida State, Miami, and Clemson. I don't think there is one. But you're asking 11 other members to vote to give three teams the most money. I am just merely saying, you know, Boston College is not going to vote in favor of this. This is a tougher vote. To me, David, I guess what I guess what I'm trying to say is, to me, it's easier to try to lobby to get eight teams in the conference to vote to defect than it is to try to get 11 teams to vote to give three teams more money. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, unless it's to save the ACC, that we don't want to break up and, you know, we'll end up over here and you guys will end up there and it'll just ruin things for us and our rivalries and the whole deal. And I really don't want to be in this conference or that conference. I will say, Mark, the more I think about this, I really think the fit for Florida State's the Big 12. I know that's not what they're angling for. I mean, they're you know, if you're going to break up the ACC or leave the ACC, whatever it is you legally could do someday, you want to go to the two conferences that are the two superpowers that have unbelievable amount of money in theory that would come your way. But the Big 12 is $31 million a year. Television, national television money, $31 million from both ESPN and Fox combined. The ACC is I mean, to go to the Big 12 right now, you're getting 14 more million more. I mean, 14 million is real money. I mean, it may not be Big 10 SEC money, but it's damn near double what you're getting from ESPN right now for the ACC. And I think you want your partner to be Miami because if ESPN and Fox were to open up their checkbooks and try to give more money, who would they give it to? And I know Clemson's in there too, but Florida State and Miami move the needle. They still do. They still do. 
That Florida-Florida State game did a really nice number the Friday night after Thanksgiving. Really nice number. And it was not all because of the Gators. Trust me, nationally, nationally, Florida State's brand is every bit as good, probably better, than the Gators. Nationally. Not regionally, but nationally. You got to trust me on this. We've seen the numbers. We've poured over them. But to your point earlier, does the ACC, you know, would the ACC give more money to three schools to try to save the conference? I don't think North Carolina would. I don't think Virginia would. Well, because also now you're getting into what would be going on behind the scenes. You'd have North Carolina, you'd have Virginia, maybe Duke, okay, who'd be in, on the phone with the Big Ten going, so, you going to add us? I mean, these are two states you're not in. We fit your academic brand, the whole deal. You know, you finally make Maryland whole, blah, blah, blah. What do you say? We doing this? Because I got to admit, if I'm the Big Ten, I'm at 16 in a year with USC, UCLA. If I'm adding those four Pac-12 schools, then I'm thinking about adding four ACC schools and going to 24. I may go with four 16 divisions. I mean, wouldn't it make sense to have a Big Ten West and have USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford? Boom. Now, Eastern Division. I grab four ACC schools, whichever four you're going to grab for me, Mark, and I throw in Maryland and Rutgers. Boom. Done. Okay, great. Boy, that's something. And then I have to take what? One school from the current Big Ten West and move it to the East? Right? Because I took Rutgers and Maryland and move them into, you know, basically my ACC division. Right. So I got my Pac-12 division and my ACC division, you know, and now I got I got 12 in the middle. But I got seven and five. So I got to move one team from the west to the east. What do you say? You move Purdue? It's Put probably who it would IU? be. Put them with you IU. Know? No, they wouldn't want that, obviously. They wouldn't either. The two Michigan schools, Ohio State, Penn State. Right. Pretty gnarly little division. Penn State right. would want to be in that ACC division, just so you know. <laughs> okay. <It's>, well, um, <laughs> I could see where they would. I could, and you know what? Ohio State and Michigan may be like, no, Penn State over there. We'll take Rutgers. <laughs> but, and then there's Miami. Also, who, you know, could be looking Florida State right in the eyes going, yes, absolutely, you're right. You got the Big Ten online too there? Let's talk to the Big Ten. Hey, how you doing? You guys want a piece of the state of Florida? What do you say? Come on, academically, you always said we fit with Virginia and North Carolina. Are we doing this? Why don't you call Duke?
And okay, make sure, make sure, make sure we've got the right phone line. I don't want to be talking to Florida State thinking I'm talking to the Big Ten. That's how guys get caught cheating on their wives. They text the wrong person. Make sure who's on line one. So that's what we got going on here. Yeah, Miami's going to have to use that new iPhone feature so you can erase the text if you send it to the wrong person there. Take that text back. That would be big for them in that situation. So then the Big 12 would take the two Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah. So now they're up to 16. Then they turn and they look at the ACC. And they go, okay, who's left? Who do we got? Well, we'll take Florida State, Clemson. Louisville, Pitt. Okay, now we're at 20. I don't know if we want any more. So that's where you would stop. So the schools that would be left out in our world, okay, Vatech would be in trouble, NC State, Wake Forest, BC, Syracuse, Georgia Tech. If I were the Big 12, I'd be all over NC State and Virginia Tech. Okay. For sure. So now you're willing to go to – because that takes you to 22. You willing to grab two more and go 24? If you go Vatech and NC State, along with the other four that we talked about, Florida State, Clemson, you know. Louisville, Pitt. I I may take NC State and Vatech before I take Louisville and Pitt. Uh, You got to take Pitt for West Virginia. Got to take Louisville. You got Cincinnati now, and so – so you're 22. We'll take two more. All right. We'll figure it out. But that's the world the ACC's living in right now, or at least that's the world Florida State's trying to put the ACC in. You got Oregon and Washington trying to break up the Pac-12. And now you got Florida State and whoever else they're talking to who's like, this is not working. We cannot be giving up 40 to 50 to 60 million a year in revenue, a year in revenue to these schools that we're competing with trying to win national championships in football. That ain't going to work. And I think the school they're talking to is Clemson. It would make the most sense. Biggest football program, one that needs the money, and at South Carolina, like Florida State has Florida. We'll find out what Jeff Cameron thinks. He comes up next, covers Tallahassee as well as anyone in the country. He's next on Miller and Moulton. Miller and Moulton here for the Clutch Vodka Play of the Day. Mark, remember Nick Charles, Fred Hickman, the CNN Play of the Day? Yeah, CNN did a nightly sports show. That was a while.